This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. So glad to be back with everybody this morning. So glad to be here worshiping uh, with our church family yet again. And I'm so glad that uh, Pastor Andy uh, shared the message that he did about God leading us in our family situations and believing for those loved ones and things like that. Um, I just know that you were ministered to last week. Um, I was at Remedy Church, which is a church that we partner with. It's in downtown Sheboygan area. And uh, Pastor Bob Abel, maybe you've heard of him. He's a very good friend of our church as well as Remedy. is just a great friend of Word of Grace. We do a lot of things together with that church, and uh, we support them, and they support us. It's just a really great relationship, the way that we want church to be, amen? And not where we're all just doing our own thing, but where we can truly be unified and serve the body of Christ together. And so he invited me to come speak over there, and uh, man, it was really a great time. It was a lot of fun being able to speak um, at Remedy. He told me I only had 30 minutes, okay? So I mean... (laughs) I made it, though. I made it. I did. It was like, yeah, it was like maybe a little over, but I, I made it. I made it. I made it. And, uh, but anyways, it was a great time. So I, I'm just thankful for our staff that when uh, I have opportunities to do things like that, and it's not very often that I do things like that, but when I have those opportunities, I, I, I know that our staff is just going to bring quality as well when I can't share with you, and they just bring quality words. So um, the week before, however, though, that I shared with you, in this series, I talked about the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit because we're going through the series talking about His voice. And the very first week in this series, I explained about how we can be led by the Holy Spirit, how He leads us and guides us into all truth, and how Jesus talked about the function of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. He kind of let all the disciples know, hey, um, when I go away, it's actually going to be better for you because all of this stuff is going to happen once I go, and you're actually going to be empowered to do things, and I want you to understand the purpose of it before He comes. So that way when He comes, you'll know that first of all, it's legit because Jesus said this is how He's supposed to work. And then when people begin to say that the Holy Spirit is using them or they're operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'll be able to recognize that there's going to be certain signs that accompany those things. And some of those things were he's not going to speak on his own authority, but he's only going to speak the things that the Father tells him to speak. And everything that he does and says is going to be pointing people to Jesus, right? And so we know throughout Scripture we see that purpose. And so I really wanted to ground us in that purpose before we talked a whole lot about the function. Now, again, like I said a couple of weeks ago, a lot of people want to get in one ditch or another concerning the moving of the Holy Spirit, the giftings of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? When you're in a ditch, you're not moving anywhere, are you? You're stuck in a ditch. So my intent today is not to get you in a ditch with all the other people who are in the ditch, okay? Because people get either on one side or they get on the other with this uh, particular topic. This is one of those tension-filled subjects throughout Scripture. So instead of letting our tradition define it, instead of allowing what other people have told us to define it, or some book we read by some author we liked, or somebody on TV, or someone who's famous, or someone that we respect, why don't we allow the Scripture to define for us what we believe and why we believe it? So that means that if I believe something, but the Scripture points me otherwise, I need to side with Scripture. Amen? And we always need to look at Scripture holistically in what? Somebody tell me. Context. Every single time. 
we need to look at Scripture in context because if we begin to cherry-pick and we begin to pull out our own little custom verses, we can build our own theology based on what feels good, based on what we think, based on what we want, and we can affirm anything and justify anything if we cherry-pick Scripture. So let's look at it holistically, let's look at it in context, and let's let the Word and the Spirit agree together so it will bear witness with our spirit that this is from God. And if there's something in Scripture that's tension-filled and maybe you look at it and you're not quite seeing it or understanding it, instead of getting in a ditch, get out of the ditch, get back on the road and start moving forward and ask God to show you, okay? Ask God to show you. Say, God, show me. I'm struggling with this because God did not give us His Word to confuse us, amen? God gave us His Word so we can understand who He is and how He operates. Now, the Bible is a collection of various books, letters, and and, and different narratives of the past that show us the heart of God, that show us the way He functions and how He operates, that show us principles, that show us how He works. And we need to look at Scripture as showing us who God is. So therefore, when it comes to the things that perhaps the Bible does not say as clearly or does not hit uh, just quite as black and white, that we can go, you know what? The Bible may not address what TV shows I should watch. The Bible may not address what I should do in this situation or that situation, but I see the underlying principle of the heart of God and who God is. And because I know who He is, His Word and His Spirit together are going to lead me and guide me into all truth. Amen? So with that being said, let's go to the Scripture today and let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is called Different Gifts. Now, as you're going over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I just want to remind you that as we look at um, Scripture in context, as we look at the purpose of the power, to remind you of that, that the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is the evangelization of the gospel and the edification of the church, and it's all for the glory of God. This is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. As we look at the purpose, why did Jesus say that the Holy Spirit needed to come? He said, first of all, He's going to comfort you. That's going to be edification for you personally, as well as going to empower you to be a witness, and he begins to say to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. He said, this is actually going to help you to do what you can't do because you can't change a heart, and I can't change a heart, right? We can only do our part, but there's a part that God wants to do in us and through us for the evangelization of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this is actually empowering people to come to Jesus. So let me tell you, if someone says that the Holy Spirit is using them or that the Holy Spirit is operating in them, one of two things are going to happen. They're either going to see people saved through that operation or they're going to see the body of Christ built up and believers edified. That's what I see right here, okay? That's what I see in Scripture, as Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, when he began to talk about the purpose of the power. So everything that we're going to say today needs to be grounded in the fact that we understand the purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to deal with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the operation of those gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 1, The Bible says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Stop right there. 
We could preach a whole series on that scripture right there. Because I grew up in a tradition that concerning spiritual gifts, we were very ignorant. I grew up in a uh, very touchy-feely, uh, very, very hyper-spiritual. Uh, the, 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 it seemed like the stranger that you were, the higher of a pedestal you were placed upon, and people thought that that equated to spirituality. Now understand this. As I began to study out the history of Corinth and I began to look at Corinth, I began to see a lot of parallels from the way even that I was raised and what was happening here in this area. Because remember, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth and he was addressing specific topics of things that were happening in those churches because these guys had gotten off base from the purpose. You see, when we miss the purpose, we begin to make it all about us, right? It's what we do. When we get off track with the purpose, we make it all about us. Now, here we see that the Apostle Paul, he's dealt with a few things already. He's dealt with sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, I mean, in, in 1 Corinthians. He's also dealt with eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. And now he's wrapping up dealing with the meat sacrificed to idols thing. And he's transitioning over into another area that he has to subjectively deal with specific things that are happening in the church at Corinth. So Paul is writing to uh, this portion of this letter to the church in Corinth because they misunderstood the purpose of the power and the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, they missed the purpose and they began to have uncontrollable things that were happening that caused confusion, that caused people to uh, act out in certain ways, and Paul actually began to compare these things to pagan idol worship. They thought they were being spiritual because they were acting out strange things that appeared spiritual and actually reflected a lot of the pagan culture that they grew up in, and they missed the foundation. They missed the foundation because the foundation of all of the gifts of the Spirit is always going to be love. So look at this in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read more. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led... Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Son of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need to understand something about the character of God. We need to understand who He is, and we all know this, that God is love. Amen? That's who he is. It's his very nature. And God is for God. He's not, he does not empower believers in order to make a name for themselves. Rather, he is for his glory. And he wants everything that we do in his name to be done in love. Because that's the only way it's going to reflect him and reflect his character. Otherwise, it's something that we're trying to do to draw attention to ourselves or attract glory unto ourselves. And the Bible clearly says that God does not share His glory. It's reserved for Him and Him alone. Amen? We are to be pointing people to Him and showing people how great and awesome He is, not how great and spiritual we think we are. We need to point people to Him, and everything that we do for Him is not so people can look at us, but rather it is so they can look at how great He is. And if it's pointing them to Him, and if it's showing them Him, then they're going to be seeing the purpose of the power. Anything we do for God through the power of the Holy Spirit is done to point people to Jesus. Remember again in John 16. So let's read the rest of this here in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at... uh, Chapter 12, and starting at verse 4. Now, here goes Paul explaining the gifts of the Holy Spirit here. 
He says, now listen, there's diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. You see the unity here? Are you catching this? Over and over again. I think Paul's trying to help us understand something. I think he's trying to help us understand that, listen, this is the same God that saved us, is the same God that wants to use us and work through us, and it's supposed to bring people together. It's supposed to cause unity in the body because it's all the same Spirit. All right? He's saying this is not something that's supposed to divide. This is not something that's supposed to split churches. This is not something that's supposed to cause people to try to out-spiritual each other, out-scripture each other, or out-act each other. Instead, it's supposed to be something that brings unity because it's all the same Spirit. And none of these things are more important than the other, is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I'm not giving these in a certain order, so you'll go, well, what's the first one? He said, maybe that's the most important. Maybe, maybe I operate in, in that gift and God uses me, so that means I'm special. No! You're missing the point. I don't know if you have kids or not, but I do, and my son is into Legos right now. Legos are the thing that are in my house. How many of you have children who have or have had Legos? Let me see your hand. Legos are wonderful. They bring out creativity in children's mind, but they bring out pain in my feet. (laughs) And my son will leave his Legos out, and I will need to get something in the middle of the night. And I don't put on my shoes to go get something in the middle of the night. I just wanted a stinking glass of water. And I'm walking, and I thought, I know my way around the house well enough that I don't need to turn on the lights But I find with my feet these Legos and they are some of the most painful toys ever created by human beings. Oh man, are they painful. You know, I I, I think that no one needs to invest any money in security systems. Just go buy a few boxes of Legos, dump them around your house and you'll be good. You can put a sign out in your front yard, this house is protected by Lego. (laughs) All of a sudden, when I step on the Legos, I find out that there are parts of my body that are really important. I find out that my toes that I really don't pay much attention to all of a sudden become very, very important at that moment. Things that I normally don't think about. Because if we begin to classify which part of our body is the most important, man, it's really difficult to say which part I could live without or which part do I always want to be in constant pain. Because even though I may not be consciously always aware of what's happening in my feet in that moment I am and then all of a sudden I become thankful 
I remember when I used to play basketball all the time, I, I would jam my finger, and oh man, all of a sudden, that finger would become very important in that moment. So here Paul is saying, listen, one of these gifts is not more important than the other. What is important is that they all work together in unity to do what God has intended for them to do. So that may mean that individuals operate in different giftings, but that doesn't put them up on a pedestal. Just because I am speaking and I have a teaching gift that God has given me does not mean that I'm any better than anyone here that is listening to me teach. It does not mean that I'm more special because I carry the title pastor. It does mean I have a different responsibility than you have. It does mean I have a different gift set, but it doesn't mean that God likes me any more than he likes you. It doesn't mean that I'm any more or less forgiven than you. It doesn't mean that I need Jesus any less or more than you do. Amen? We all need Jesus the same, and we are all growing, and we are all works that he is still working in us and through us by showing us his grace and his truth and helping us to grow and reflecting him, pastors included. I don't care how long you've been a pastor. I don't care how much Bible you know. doesn't make anyone more special or any more significant or less significant. It's all of the parts working together. Amen? Let's look back at verse 14. In fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is therefore it not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, would it be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, would it be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again to the head can say to the feet, I have no need of you. No much. Rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, uh, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Ma'am, if you read the Bible, it'll really set you free. I don't, I don't know if you're, you're catching that or not, but if you read the Bible, it'll, it, it'll really set you free because as we look at this thing in context, we see that Paul is dealing with this abuse and misunderstanding of spiritual gifts because Paul opened up this portion of his letter to the church in Corinth by saying, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. So obviously somebody was ignorant. If you got to lead off with, I don't want you to be ignorant, it's probably a good indicator somebody was doing something ignorant. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, I want you to understand, so let me explain it to you. So I'm going to give you some examples here. You see, God empowers us with gifts to evangelize the gospel and edify the church, and these gifts are God's way of working through believers to either spread the gospel 
or build up and encourage or edify someone. Now, understand, as we look through here, we saw a lot of different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And I have heard a lot of teachings, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't. Um, it's, it's fine either way. Let's not get in a ditch over this. But I always grew up hearing that these nine gifts that were given there were somewhat definitive, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But yet, as I study the Bible and I read the Bible, I find out that there's a whole lot more than nine. And as I look, I see, wow, there are more giftings and just those. And, and what I understand and what I gather from this is that Paul was using this as just a reference list to make his point, not necessarily to teach an exhaustive list because that's not the style in which this portion of the letter was written. The intent was not to give an exhaustive teaching. The intent is to make a point because these guys were abusing these gifts. And so he's saying, listen, th- th- there's people, they operate in different gifts, but let's make sure that we're understanding that this is not just something that that, 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 that this person does that makes them more important, but we need to all work together and we need to all be edifying the body of Christ. We need to build each other up. We need to be spreading the gospel and everything we need to do needs to be done in love because one of the things that I want you to catch here is in verse 31, he said, earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly desire the best gifts. And then here, the apostle Paul, in a fluid thought, moves into what we know as chapter 13 because Paul did not write chapter and verse divisions. What do we know 1 Corinthians 13 as historically? Does anyone know that name we give 1 Corinthians 13? The love chapter. Now, is the apostle Paul all of a sudden going to just stop teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and just begin to teach about love because he just had like this, this, this moment where he just forgot what he was talking about? And then he wants to talk about something different because, catch this, in chapter 14, he picks up talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit again. So was he just taking a breather to give a little love sermon or write a love note? Because we capitalize on 13 as the love chapter, but if we look at 13 in context, we see that 12, 13, and 14 are all one fluid thought that he's dealing with with the gifts of the Holy Spirit because he's wanting the middle. He's wanting this thing to be grounded in love because look what he says here in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. He says, If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge and though I have faith so I could remove mountains and have love, I am nothing. And and if I have the gift of generosity, if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned, or if I have that gift of martyrdom that God wants me to to be be martyred, uh, if, if, if I give my body to be burned but I'm not doing it in love, it profits me nothing because love suffers long and is kind. And he begins to go on in teaching about love because these people were trying to figure out what's the most important thing. And remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 31. He said, Earnestly desire the best gifts. Well, which ones are those? And, and we want to go look through the, the, all the lists of the things that the Apostle Paul said and figure out which one are the best ones. And here, as clear as day, he's telling us what the best gifts are because look at chapter 13 and verse 13. What does he say? He says, And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. He said, I want you to desire the greatest thing. He said, that's where your focus needs to be. Not on is tongues the best gift. Not on is prophecy the best gift. 
Not on is, is, is giving your life as a martyr for the cause of Christ the best gift. Not, not, not is teaching or, or, or pastoring the best gift or, or being an evangelist. Not as, not as that as being the best gift or more special. He said, no, actually all of these things need to be grounded in love. And here's what love is, and here's what love does. Because he even said, he said, there's going to be a time where knowledge is going to fail, it's going to cease, prophecy is going to cease, tongues are going to cease. Those were the, the, the three main ones that we can gather that the Corinthian church was kind of camping out on, because they were some of the more obvious outspoken gifts. And when people camp on those three things, I look at the way that I was raised, and those are the three gifts that mainly people would camp out on. People always wanted someone to give them a word of knowledge, people always wanted to give a prophecy. And people always wanted to speak in tongues. And those were the three things that people would camp out on. The three main areas. And that's the way that I was raised in a church that camped out on those three things. And yet these are the same three things that the Apostle Paul says. These things at some point are going to fade away. But guess what's never going to go away? Love. So in other words, he's saying don't focus on those gifts as being something that equates to your spirituality. Instead, focus on love being your motive for everything you do and let the gifts of the Spirit operate in you and through you for the purpose and being rooted and grounded in love. Man, here's what love does. It's patient, it's kind, it prefers its brother. That's going to be next week. So I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I hate when I know what I'm going to preach the next week because I will pre-preach it. Um, but here's the thing, yeah. I'm just, going to let, I'm just going to let the Lord lead me out. You see, here's the thing. The list is given in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, not as definitive, but rather as representative examples. That's what I personally believe. If you want to look at the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit as definitive, then that, that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to push you over in the ditch or, or you push me over in the ditch, okay? Um, I just personally don't think that that's an exhaustive list. So for someone just to look at those nine, I, I think that's a mistake personally um, because I see that there's so many uh, gifts. And here's the thing. Some of these gifts we have a really clear meaning of, and, and some of the gifts we don't really even know what that means. What, what, what does that exactly mean? Because Paul doesn't say, here's the gift, and here's how it works, and here's how you know that you're operating in this gift. Not every one of those we have a clear understanding. So sometimes we just have to go, well, maybe that's that gift. I think what Paul was rather um, understanding is that the person who has the gift understands its operation. And it's obviously going to be a gift of the Holy Spirit because it's going to show all the signs of being a gift from the Holy Spirit. Not like some list that we go shopping uh, and we're doing our Black Friday uh, gift shopping for which Holy Spirit, uh, you know, operation we want to operate in. But, but, but instead, he says, no, he's going to distribute those things as he wills. He says, I want you to desire these things. He said, it's good for you to desire these things. I want you to pursue these things. Because basically we're saying, I want to pursue doing something for God and not just being someone who comes and sits in a seat on a Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. That I actually want to do something for God. And I know that I can't change a heart. I know I can't change a life. I need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in me and through me because he's the one who changed me. Amen? And so I need his power to do what I can't do. And so sometimes that may mean praying for people in a way that, that it is led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it may mean serving people in a way that is gifted by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it may be edifying people in a way that is led by the Holy Spirit. Um, I know that 
There have been times in my life where I've operated in what I believe to be, uh, anyways, a uh, gift of knowledge to where I will believe, uh, I, I truly believe that uh, God will speak things to my heart that I didn't have foreknowledge about, but I know that it's for someone, and I just feel it in my heart, and there's no way that I could just explain it, but it lines up with Scripture, and I share those things. But, but, but let, me, let me tell you something. Let me give you, I want to take a little sidebar, okay? Um, <laughs> just because I've seen the abuse of this, and I, I want to make sure we stay decently in an order. When, when I would operate in that gifting, and, and I still do to this day, and sometimes I do it even from uh, the pulpit when I'm preaching. Sometimes I'll do it when uh, I'm praying, and I'm feeling like God's wanting me to pray something specific or to share something specific that may not be in my notes, may not be something I've shared or, 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 or studied before, but it's something that I know perhaps is for someone. And sometimes I'll even say, I believe that was for someone here. Um, but when I share those things, I just know that it's God because I've learned His voice. He said, my sheep will know my voice, and to the voice of a stranger they won't listen, right? And when I share those things, here, here's, here's the thing. When we, when we feel that God is leading us and using us, we need to make sure and check our heart and check our motive and check our intent, amen? That'll stop a lot of goofiness in churches right there if we check our intent. Because if our intent is to further the gospel and to edify the body, and it's rooted and grounded in love, then we can make sure that we're checking ourselves and we're humbling ourselves instead of trying to put the spotlight on us. Because a lot of people who operate in what they call a gift of knowledge, a lot of times I think that, that there's, there's some error there because people want to make it all about them. And they, they, they want to get strange and, 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 and odd with it. And they want, to, they want to say, Oh, brother, I've got, oh, I've got a word for you from the Lord. Oh, and they get all weird like they're, they're, they're having some type of convulsion or some type of experience. Here's the thing. If I do that, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun. But listen to me. If, if I do that, I'm making myself look really spiritual and really good in that moment. And you're going to be impressed with how spiritual I am, especially if it's something that I share with you that perhaps no one knew or something that maybe uh, um, um, you've been praying about and God uses that person to share that. But let's cut out the theatrics because the theatrics bring attention to me. Matter of fact, I tell people this. If you are operating in the word of knowledge, you don't even have to preface it with something that will bring attention to you. Why don't you just share it? And if you need to make some type of declaration that it is something that you believe is from the Lord, here's what I do. This might help you. Just to keep my motive and my heart pure and keep my heart humble before the Lord. If I feel God has given me a word for you, we're talking, we're just having a conversation, and all of a sudden I just feel like I need to share this with you. I feel like God's putting something on my heart to share with you. And that's the Holy Spirit wanting me to share something with you. Here's what I'll do. I'll go, you know, hang on just a second. I just want you to know that this isn't a part of normal conversation, but I really believe God wants me to share this with you. And then I'll go on to share whatever it is. And then when I'm done, I'm done. Instead of me going through the theatrics of, uh, of something that will bring me glory because I want it to point to Jesus. And, and I'll even often tell people this. I'll say, and if it's just me thinking this, maybe I'm just getting too emotionally engaged in the conversation. And, and perhaps I'm really just wanting to help the person and maybe it's not something from God. I'll tell people, just put it on the shelf, you know. That's what I like to tell people. Just put it on the shelf if this isn't from God, but I really, I, I feel like God wants me to share this with you. Because, you know, have you ever felt like there was something you were supposed to say to someone or share with someone and you walked away and you didn't do it? And you were like going, oh man, I really, I should have said that. I, I believe that's the Holy Spirit trying to use you in a situation to help build somebody up. 
I think too often times we just make it too stinking weird and we think that it's only for spiritually elite people and there is no such. We're all one in Christ, amen? We have different levels of understanding. We have different levels of, of education in understanding spiritual principles and scriptural things, but that doesn't make us better than anyone. Matter of fact, we need to help teach the next generation, amen? Help bring them up and raise them up so that the gospel can continue to be shared and so that the church can continue to be edified. So oftentimes when I'm used in that gift, it may be right in the middle of a prayer, it may be in the middle of my sermon, and I may say something really strange. If you stay for both services, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you stay for both services, you'll hear two different sermons, I promise you. And sometimes I frustrate the mess out of my sound guys because they have to decide which one goes online. They have to pick which one goes online uh, because sometimes they'll be completely different because perhaps there's a certain bent that the Holy Spirit will lead me in and give me words to share that I didn't say before. It's not just a, a script that I'm up here reading, and it's not just something that I go through and I just say the same thing two times, you know. Basically, the, what I have um, that I prepare and that I put together is the same thing that you see on the screen. And so everything else is led by the Spirit of God, and sometimes there will be different things that I feel that God puts on my heart to share, you know. Um, so anyways, that, that, was, that was for free. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> And I hope that it helps you. I hope that it helps because here's what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting to de-spookify the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life because it doesn't have to be weird. And, and if you've been around it and it's been weird, I'm sorry. I grew up in weird, okay? I grew up in Corinth. Paul says, don't be ignorant. Paul says everything you need to do is to be done decently and in order. He talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14 because it's supposed to point people to Jesus. And if it's not pointing people to Jesus, we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves and wreck other people and split churches. Come on, somebody. So here's a few other references to spiritual gifts, if you want to look at those. Um, th this is just some scriptures that I believe um, reiterate that idea of uh, there being uh, more than nine operations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you want to study those out on your own, I just want to challenge you to look at that, if that kind of rubbed you the wrong way when I said there were more than nine. So, and, and, and if you think I'm wrong, then come tell me. That's fine. We can still be friends. I'll still have you over the house. We can still go watch a movie together. It's cool. Um, <laughs> So check those out. Check those scriptures out. Some, because some of those things that Paul talks about, we can get what those things mean. Uh, but some of those things, you know, we don't really understand. So we kind of, sometimes if we don't operate in that gift, we might have to kind of guess at what that means. Because I believe Paul knew that the people who were operating in those gifts very much understood uh, what those things meant. So for us to try to, to pinpoint all of those, I, I think is really difficult um, so we just need to know that the, the, the signs of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit are going to be that it's not something that brings me glory or makes me look awesome, but it makes Him look awesome. Amen? And it points people to Jesus, and it will build up and edify the church because it will point people to Jesus. That's what Jesus said. You're going to know the Holy Spirit when He comes because He's not going to speak on His own authority. Everything He does, He's going to be pointing people to me, is what Jesus said. So check that. Check the motive of our heart when we say we're operating in the gifts of the Spirit as well. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 31, he says, focus on the greatest gift. And then we see here love being grounded here. Now let's look at this real quick too. 1 Corinthians 13, let's look um, at uh, verse 8. Let's go ahead and just skip over to verse 8. It says, love never fails, 
But where there's prophecies, they'll fail. Where there's tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it's going to vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And we're not in that place where everything's perfect, right? So we're still in the time and in the season of operating in these gifts. So I don't believe that these things have ceased by any stretch. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, now hold the phone. Man, if we look at the genius of Paul here and how he is helping the church in Corinth to understand the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he is grounding them in love, he's helping them to understand the purpose, and then he moves over to talking about being a child. What in the world is going on? What is this guy saying? Is he giving little mini-sermons? Is he like Pastor Derek, where is he like chasing rabbits everywhere? Is that what he's doing? But listen, no, Paul is very much fluid in his presentation of this letter because he just got through talking about love. Now he's talking about childish things. In other words, he's saying, listen, children are selfish and they act out in childlike ways. So he's chastising them in one respect for the way that they have been handling the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time he is challenging them to grow up from their childlike state. Because when we're in a childlike state in our Christianity, we make everything all about us, don't we? Just like children do. Children are very childish. <laughs> That's why they're called children, right? The big revelation bomb there. Glad you got dressed and woke up early and came out to hear that one. <laughs> children are very selfish in their motive. They want, they're only concerned about themselves. They're only concerned about what they're going to get, when they're going to get it. And oftentimes, Paul was trying to uh, use the example of a child to help people to understand the selfish portion of our lives that we can very much get stuck in as Christians. And he's still talking about the gifts of the Spirit here. So he's saying, listen, if you're moving, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a selfish way, he said, it's time for you to grow up. That's what Paul's trying to say. Because when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I thought, I thought like a child. I understood things like a child. But now that I understand love and I'm growing in understanding love, I'm putting away the selfishness. And I'm making this about someone other than me. And that's what Paul is trying to get people to understand concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said, I don't understand at all. He said, I, I see through a mirror dimly. He said, so I'm not trying to say that I've got all the answers. He said, but I do know that when I am made perfect that I'll see clearly. But right now I don't. So I'm just sharing with you what I've come to understand. Because everything you do needs to be rooted and grounded in love. And you need to pursue the best gifts. You need to pursue love and allow that to move everything else and be the foundation of everything else that comes out. He said, listen, the way that you're handling tongues, the way that you're handling prophecy, the way that you're handling words of knowledge, he said, those things are very selfish and they're very childish. He said, it's time to put away those childish things and grow in love because he's wanting them to understand the purpose of those gifts so they can operate in the purpose and stop making the gifts all about them. <sighs> the commonality of all spiritual gifts is that they are motivated by love they point others to Jesus, they build up others, 
and they unify the church. That's the commonality between all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All spiritual gifts, all spiritual gifts should be motivated by love, point others to Jesus, build up other people, and unify the church. That's what I gather when I read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, that God wants to use us, definitely. It's not something we should shy away from because look here at at, at verse, I mean chapter 14 and verse 1, he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And then he begins to talk about some things we're going to go into next week. But he said, I want you to pursue these things. So it's not a bad thing for you to ask God to allow you to operate in those gifts because you're desiring to do something for Him. God, use me however you want to use me. Help my heart and my motives to be checked in love. God, baptize me in the Spirit and in the power of your Spirit so I can operate and move in that power to be able to evangelize the gospel so I can begin to edify and build up other people. Help me to move forward in understanding what these things mean and and, and what you've gifted me to do because what have you distributed to me? What are you putting in my heart to do that is grounded in love? What are you putting in my heart that is grounded in love that's going to bring people to Jesus or that's going to bring people uh, edification and, and, and being built up and help bring unity to the church? What are you doing in me that I can't do in and of myself? And I think that it's interesting because doesn't God like to do things in us and through us to show how great He is? Doesn't He like to do that? Yeah. He, he likes to show how great He is. So a lot of times... God will want to use you in an area that maybe you don't have a whole lot of confidence in your own ability. And that's kind of the point, right? You remember Moses? Moses, God said, I'm going to use you to go speak to Pharaoh and to set my people free. And he says, I've got a speech impediment. I can't talk right. He says, perfect. Perfect. That's what God said. He said, don't you worry about saying anything. When you step into that role and you step into that moment, I'm going to speak through you and for you. I love when God does things in and through us that are outside of our natural abilities because it's Him showing how awesome He is. Remember the story of the man with the withered hand? Jesus wasn't interested in the man's strength. He was interested in the man's weakness because that's where His power could be manifested. Oftentimes, we, 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 we always, and, and sometimes God does use us in those areas of the things that we're good at and strong at, so, so don't feel like that it has to be a, a necessary weakness. It just needs to be something, I believe, in our lives where we have to put our dependence upon Him instead of putting it on ourselves. So ask Him. Desire those spiritual gifts. Pray that God would use you in those things and that He would give you those things. So it, it's very biblical for us to do that. We're told to desire spiritual gifts, and that's a good thing to see the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. So here's what I want to say to you as I close this morning. Ask and you shall receive. Desire. Ask by faith. Don't wait for God to zap you with lightning or for all of a sudden you're just walking about normal on your day and then all of a sudden, whoa, God, I'm moving really weird right now. That's not how it works. Stop making it weird. Stop making it weird. Begin to use these chapters, 12, 13, and 14, as part of your personal study. And begin to ask in faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word, amen? And begin to ask, God, 
I want to be used by your Spirit. I want to be baptized in your Spirit so your power can operate in me and through me. Ask Him. Ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not, right? I want to be used by you, Lord, to do more. Lord, I've been depending on myself. I've been making excuses because what do we often say? Oh, I don't know enough Scripture. I'm not a very outgoing person. I'm not very bold. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not this. Whoever said it was about you? It's about surrender, right? It's about surrendering and trust. So I want to encourage you this week, maybe even today, maybe even when we have our prayer team down here, have someone pray with you or, 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 or pray in your own quiet time. God, I want to be used by you. Show me the, the, the things that you're putting in me, the things that you want me to operate in, the things that you want me to grow in, the things you want to show me, the things you want me to understand, because I want to be used by you. I want to help evangelize the gospel. I want to help build up the church. How you, You've placed me in this church. So remember that scripture right there where we just read in 1 Corinthians 12. He places each member in the body where he sees fit. So that means you're here because God wanted you here. Okay? I, I, I know that you may think that you're here because you like me or you like the music or because you like the kids program or you like this or you like that. You may think that and that's cute. But you're not here because of me. Amen, somebody? You better not be here because of me. You better not be here because of music. You better not be here because you think that we have a cool building or whatever. You better be here because God called you here. Amen? He places members in the body where he sees fit. And if he's placed you here, then guess what? That means he wants you to grow here. And if this isn't where he placed you, then you need to find out where does God want you to be. Because I want you to be where he wants you to be because that's going to benefit you and your family and the body of Christ more in the long run. Amen? Instead of this commodity-driven church idea where we just go and shop around and try to find what we want and it's all about us. No, have you thought to ask God, where am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to be? As he places you in the body, you need to say, God, I want to grow from this point. Help me get planted. Help me get rooted and grounded in a church body, in a church family, so that I can hear the word, so I can be encouraged, so we can pray together, so we can grow together, so we can sharpen each other, so we can love each other, be there for each other. Just like he said in 1 Corinthians 12, rejoice when we rejoice, mourn when, we, when, when another mourns. Or we can be there for each other as a body, as a family. Because God wants to use us, not just only as individuals, but collectively empowered by His Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Amen? Empowered by His Holy Spirit to reach this area with the gospel. Empowered by this area to edify and build up this local body and encourage each other and be there for each other. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do in us and through us. Let's submit to His power. Let's ask Him to use us. And let's keep growing in our understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.